Let's start with why is the festival so special to you, South Beach Wine and Food Festival. Is that my intro? Yeah. No, I do VO intro, bro. Is there like a real big, I mean, I want like a wind up, like, now. I'll put fireworks and shit. Okay, fireworks. I don't think you can say shit on this. Yeah, we can. You can? Yeah. Oh. And now. Standing in at 5 feet 11 inches tall, residing in sunny Santa Rosa, California, he's known for having eyes in the back of his head. Guy Fietti. See? Told you we could do fireworks. Hey everyone, this is Cappy and you're listening to Beyond the Plate, a podcast where I sit down in person with the world's culinary elite to explore their journey into the industry and the social impact they have made in their community. Every episode, we share inspiring stories of what it means to be in today's hospitality industry. This episode was recorded live from the 17th Annual Food Network and Cooking Channel South Beach Wine and Food Festival. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Sir Kensington's Condiments. Sir Kensington's is on a mission to bring integrity and charm to ordinary and overlooked food. If you know me, you know I love Sir Kensington's. Their award-winning condiments include ketchups, mayos, mustards, and an eggless mayo product called Fabinase. This is the first commercial product ever made from aquafaba. Aquafaba is the water left over after cooking chickpeas. It's a vegan product. And I recently noticed that Shake Shack put this on their new veggie burger, which they soft rolled out to some locations. But I need to try this. Each Sir Kensington's product is nutritionally conscious, delicious, and non-GMO project verified. To learn more about Sir Kensington's, please visit SirKensington's.com or follow them on social media at Sir Kensington's. Sir Kensington's, we thank you. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Martin's Famous Potato Rolls. Martin's was founded in the heart of Pennsylvania Dutch country in 1955, right between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. Martin's Potato Rolls are the number one branded hamburger bun in America, and as I like to say, they can make almost any burger taste better. But have I told you about my go-to idea when I run out of bread and my wife or I are desperately craving a grilled cheese? I take a Martin's bun and I make an inside-out grilled cheese. Open the bun, brush or spread a little bit of softened butter on there, flip it inside out, put your cheese on, and go about your business and griddle in a pan or a griddle or whatever you use to make a grilled cheese. Give it a light smush down, and you can't go wrong with any bread product of Martin's. Martin's believes in giving back to their community. Through volunteering time and donating resources, they support hundreds of charitable organizations such as food banks, after-school programs, disaster relief, and others that provide sustenance and comfort to people in need both close to their baking facilities and abroad. To learn more about Martins, please visit their website at potatorolls.com or follow them on social media at potatorolls. Martins, we thank you. Okay, back to it. Here's the deal. I've known Guy Fietti for quite some time. I know he's a caring individual. I know he's a family man. He's always telling stories about his wife and his kids. And he loves food. I'm talking like this man seriously loves food, loves the restaurant and hospitality industry, loves talking to students that are going into the industry. But guy is some hilarious, well, to me anyway, likes and dislikes. 
You're going to catch some of those throughout this episode and for sure in the speed round. And I'm not going to roll through his whole bio here, but he's a chef, restaurateur, best-selling author, Emmy award-winning TV host. He studied abroad as an exchange student in France. He came back. He went to UNLV, University of Nevada, Las Vegas for hospitality management. He's opened over 63 restaurants around the world, which you'll hear about in this interview. In 2006, he won the second season of Food Network Star, and it has since had plenty of other shows beyond that. He has six cookbooks to his name. In 2013, he launched Hunt and Ride Winery in Sonoma County, named for his two sons, Hunter and Ryder. He supports numerous charities, including his own called Cooking with Kids, as well as the Make-A-Wish Foundation and Best Buddies International. And I am going to stop here... But please enjoy this conversation as we go beyond the plate with Chef Guy, don't call me Fieri, Fieri. <laughs> that was actually good. You, you, took, the, you took the hook? Uh, totally. That, yeah, I know what's coming. Why is the South Beach Wine and Food Festival so special to you? Well, it's really the uh, amalgamation of all the uh, of all the great chefs and all the fans of food. I mean, it's if you haven't been, I tell people this all the time. Like, oh, what do you do? What do you do? Where do you go? What do you do? You know, and I say, have you ever been to South Beach for the Food and Wine Festival? And they're like, no, I heard about it though. I said, do you? You can't hear about it. That's like trying to hear what seeing in color is. You yeah. know, you can't hear about it. You got to come and see it or come feel it. And it's uh, it's it's a great event from morning, noon, and night. You just have to hang on. What is your take on chefs becoming celebrities? Like I asked this to Giada, to Alex Guarnaschelli. Obviously it opens doors, but there's a lot of things that come with that. Not everybody likes country music. Not everybody likes rap. Not everybody likes football. Not everybody likes soccer. Not everybody likes whatever. But everybody likes food. So food is, I think it's the common denominator of all people. Sure. You know, everybody's a fan of food. I think that you can, uh, Michael Votaggio did a great, uh, a great show uh, where he was going to countries where there was conflict between two, two parties. Really? And um, he, did, uh, he did a whole thing about feeding people and showing how food is the, is the, uh, the, the bonding agent. You know, everybody has that common, that common idea. Yeah. I think what it is is people, we celebrate food. Food is at the great times. Food's at the terrible times. Food's in the morning. Food's a lot of times the last thing at night. Food is, um, it's, it's creative. It's, it's a surprise. It's, I mean, it's all the things that you want life to be is encapsulated a lot of times in food. And uh, so when we're the ones that get to produce that, it, it's not someone arguing whether or not they like country music or rock or rap. They, you know, they just they're just ready for the tune. Whatever, yeah. you, whatever you play. When so people right. say when one door when one door closes, another one opens. Talk about the guy Fieri restaurant empire. It's up to how many now? In my mind, <laughs> or in reality? Now I, I don't know. We're fifty, sixty, somewhere around there. Around the world. Yeah. What countries? We've got in, in everything from full standalone restaurants in Vegas and Dubai and South Africa and Atlantic City. And, and then we've got small concert venues, you know, throughout the country. So it's, um, you know, I'll tell you about the restaurant business and there's, there's high highs and low lows. Yeah. You know, you've got, um, you're dealing with the public. So you've got positive, 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 negative. You know, those, those things happen, but you're in, you're in the business and you make food and you cook for people because you love it 
and you love making people happy and you try as hard as you can. I mean, you try, we try as hard as we can to do it right. And you run into things, um, you run into economics, you run into the way the country's running, the way people are spending money, you know, all these different pieces. So it's, uh, it's not any simple task. It looks fun. It looks easy. And everybody wants to be in the business. I have friends all the time that call me and say, Oh, you come on. I want to open a restaurant. I'm like, Please, yeah. the best way to make a small fortune in the restaurant business is, is to start with a large one. Yeah, you know. But it's uh, it's what I do. It's the only thing I do. I don't know how to do anything else really. Uh, that's what I always wanted to do, and I was just happy to have one restaurant, and then fortunately build a good little restaurant empire in uh, Santa Rosa, up in Northern California. Sold those. Oh, you did. Sold those uh, a few years ago, and. Uh, and that's tough, you know, closing a restaurant, uh, selling a restaurant, any of those transitions um, are tough. Are, are tough. It's just like anything, like selling a car, you know, you don't want to, but uh, it's part of the game. So I wanted to quickly interrupt your regularly scheduled program because I'm about to ask Guy about Shane Torres. Shane Torres is a comedian, but if you Google Guy Fieri, Shane Torres, you'll find a really hilarious bit that starts out with Torres saying, quote, what the fuck did Guy Fieri ever do to anyone? People shit on that dude all the time, and as far as I can tell, all he ever did was follow his dreams. End quote. Obviously, I'm not delivering this as great as a comedian. So here's Guy's reaction to that bit. Did you see the Shane Torres comedian video? Mm-hmm. Awesome dude. Yeah. Awesome did you dude. Meet him? No, I haven't met him. And matter of fact, I was supposed to meet him and I want to meet him. And I, and I love that, uh, you know, he's, he's got one, he's very insightful and he's very aware and he's very funny. Yeah. And, uh, that's, you know, that's the, another side of the, the food world is how topical it is and how in the middle of everything it is, you know, and we're foods at, at, at every, every turn. So when it can make, when it can make Conan and it can make the late nights and, totally. and it, can, it can make the media. I love it. It's amazing. For a young restaurateur listening, for like you said, there's high highs, low lows. What are tips you would give to these young restaurateurs or people in the industry, whether it's surviving frickin' critic or whether it's closing a door or whether it's getting dashed? I'll tell you, I'll tell you what it is. One, you can't live off your reviews. You know, that you don't, you don't fall, fall into that trap because that's one person. And granted, granted, it's a loud voice, but it's one person. What I will say, I think one of the number one reasons that restaurants have difficulty is undercapitalization. Not having enough capital. And you start to make, I, I think, I'm not saying everybody, but I think that people start to make bad decisions when they don't have the capital. Trying to figure it out, starting to cut corners, starting yeah. to you know, not have enough staff, starting just the things. One of the best restaurants that I ever opened, a restaurant called Tex Wasabi's. We had taken the money that we had from a restaurant that burned down. One of our restaurants burned down. And we were in the middle of trying to get the restaurant reopened, but we were going through some issues with uh, the building, the building department and so forth. So we took the money and went and opened Tex Wasabi's, Southern Barbecue and Sushi. And we had tons of money. First time we'd ever opened a restaurant with, with a bunch of money. Now, granted, we're using money that's going to another building, but it was so awesome because we did great stuff. We built cool shit. We did great de- decorations. We did great sound and we did great lighting. Two things that restaurateurs miss all the time. Is that a focus for you now when you open? Everything is lighting. Yeah. I mean, my wife and I are building a house right now and it's lighting. The other thing you have to be willing to do which I think that I've been real fortunate with my team in Knuckle Sandwich, is you have to be willing to continually, objectively 
look at yourself. Just because it's what you love and it's just because what you think is the best thing. You got to be willing to take on. And so that's why, you know, people get weird about food critics and and Yelp reviews and so forth. And yeah, there's a lot of negative in that and there's a lot of angry in that and there's a lot of that. But there's also a lot of insight and there's a lot of awareness and there's a lot of things that if you don't get too caught up in the drama of it and you really look at yeah, it. You weed out the real. And you see it and you got to you got to stay current. You got to stay focused. You got to, you got to be willing. And and that's what we do. That's what we try to do inside of our company is really make sure that nobody gets too lost in the belief of what we did is exactly what it is. It, it, it gets diluted through the chain, you know? Yeah. So you learn every step of your life. I want to know what did you learn from your time at Awesome Pretzel? <laughs> Cap, you're funny. <laughs> Your very first food gig, is this right? Yeah. 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 So when I was a kid, um, want some champagne? Sure. Babe, can we have a couple, go some champagne? The awesome pretzel. So when I was a kid, I found out, when I, when I uh, first found out about food, very young age, and it was actually cooking for my parents, and I, I would complain about food. We'd, I, there was a rule in my family, you were not allowed to ask what was for dinner until uh, we had lunch. Because I would walk in as a kid, I'd walk up in the, I'd wake up in the morning, I'd walk in the kitchen and go, what's for dinner tonight? Because I was looking forward to it all the time. I'll tell you even a funnier story, Cap, and I've never told anybody this. I don't think I've told this in an interview. So when I was a kid, I grew up in this little town called Ferndale, and my parents had a uh, country, a Western clothing store. It sold boots and hats and saddles and all that kind of stuff. And so um, to keep for their employees that worked there, there was like four or five employees that worked there, the, uh, to help them stay so they could eat and work and not take shift breaks and all that kind of stuff, they had a refrigerator in the back and they loaded it up with deli meats and sandwich er, and bread and all that kind of stuff. And we didn't have that kind of food at home. My parents were pretty healthy. We ate pretty healthy. So we didn't have salami and, and all that kind of stuff. So I would walk. I would skip recess at lunch and walk to my parents' store, which is maybe a 15-minute walk, just because I could go up there and get a salami, roast beef, turkey, lettuce, tomato, big sandwich versus the sandwiches that we were making at home, like peanut butter and jelly. It was always top of mind. It's top of mind to me every day. I mean, Anthony Hoi Fong, who's our executive chef of Knuckle Sandwich, I call him about... a beast. Oh, not even understandable. But you surround, I surround myself with great chefs, and I'm very lucky. But yeah, so it's always top of mind. I mean, that's all we think about. That's all I talk about. I mean, that and some sports and this and that. And, but food, man, it's... So the pretzel, uh, the pretzel, I first time I had a, uh, a soft, steamed New York-style pretzel was in Tahoe, skiing at Squaw Valley. And I spent... My dad said, what'd you have for lunch today? Because I went and skied by myself. I was 10. I said, uh, pretzel? He goes, I gave you five bucks. How many pretzels do you have? I said, 10. He says, you ate 10 pretzels? I said, yeah. And he goes, what? I go, have you ever had one, Dad? They're soft and they're steamed. And they put a little salt on them. You get mustard. And if you and an extra quarter, you can get cheese. They put this, he's like, if you love this pretzel business so much. And as a kid, I had Kool-Aid business. I had paper bag business. I had a candy store really? when I was a kid. Went down to Smith and Scalvini. Got a uh, refrigerator box. Drug it down the street. Cut a hole in it. Took two sticks, cut the window out, put two sticks on the bottom of it to make a little counter, borrowed a buck from my dad, went across to Sweets and Treats, the candy store across the street, bought penny candy, laid it out on top of my little desk, sat inside my cardboard box that I spray painted, little candy store. What was the name of it? Uh, candy with a K. 
and ah. sat inside this little box, a little kid in a tourist town, Ferndale, and sold the candy, sold the penny candy for five cents, 10 cents. People would give me a dollar, make a ton of money, give my dad back the buck, and then get in a ton of trouble, get my ass kicked because I left the box out on the street. And my dad says, hey, Charlie Goff just called. Go get your, go get your goddamn candy box <laughs> out, of the, out of the patio. Wait, you were a district manager at Louise's Trattoria. Yep. So when you're hiring, what traits would you look for in a manager? When I would interview. Like nowadays, from, from what you learned there. When I would interview people, I would say dishwashers. I would interview dishwashers. And I would say to these young kids, what do you want to be? What, yeah. what job? What job do you want to be? Do you want to have dishwasher? I said, okay. If you could have any job here in this restaurant, what would you want to be? Dishwasher. Okay. You didn't get hired. I say to the kid, if you could have any job in this restaurant, what, what do you want to be? I want your job. You're hired. You got to have people that want to on shoot it. for the stars. For sure. You got to have people that have the eye of the tiger. Yeah. You got to be willing to, and that's how it is inside of my team of Knuckle Sandwich. I mean, my guys, you got to, I'm not asking you to be great at everything, but I'm asking you to be willing to try to be great at everything and to take what you're not great at and, and work and focus and develop. And that's the thing is, it's not, I'm not asking folks to come to the table with everything, with all the, you know, uh, all the goods, but be willing to understand and have the ability to learn how to get all the goods. Yeah. So when you tried out for the Food Network Star thing, you had two restaurants at the time, right? Did someone... Five? Four. Four. Did someone push you to audition for that? You know, it was funny. There was a variety of things that went on. Lori told me about it one time. Loretta was... Oh, uh, really? She heard it on some TV or some radio show that she listens to, and they were talking about it because season one had happened. And a buddy and I, mine named Rob Olmstead... Uh, who did commercials for our restaurants uh, back in the day, he had heard about it. And another buddy of mine, Mustard, Matt Sprouls, he'd heard about it. And I'd never even seen it. And back then on the internet, you weren't able to like go and get old episodes and so forth. And everybody said, man, you would be great. You'd do this show, you'd be awesome. I'm like, nah, you know, I don't know. So two of my buddies, Mustard and Rob Olmstead, um, said, you, you got to do it. You got to submit a, th- a tape. So I said, okay, whatever. And I'd put it off and put it off. And really, honestly, and I tell this to kids when I go and speak at schools, is you have to be willing to take the chance. One person do it, doing it is worth 10,000 people talking about it. You have to be willing to take the chance and take the chance of failing. So I looked at it and said, okay, you know what? If I fail, I fail. But I'm at least going to get a free trip to New York, and I'm going to get a chance to go meet Bobby and Emeril and, you know, go hang out and see what this is all about. And I'm not going to win. You know, I didn't go to culinary school. I didn't, you know, I'm a chef from the, from the street. You know, I came through the ranks. And uh, I said, that's not going to, you know, whatever. But it'll be fun. My wife and I were pregnant with our son, Ryder. We were eight, eight and a half months pregnant, eight months pregnant. And it was my dad's, actually, actually my dad's birthday. And... Uh, my dad, I said, do you got any advice? And he says, just be you. Don't, don't move off of what. So when I got there, they said, uh, you have to take those rings off. I said, I didn't read that in the contract. He said, we can't wear shorts. I didn't read that in the contract either. Well, you have to, you know, you can't, can't do that. You can't, you can't have sunglasses. I didn't read that in the contract. Amazing. And they, and it was funny because they were trying to do, I mean, now being a producer, I know that they're trying to keep some uniformity to right. the program, but I was like, I didn't think I was, had a snowball's chance in hell that I was going to win. And uh, there was one moment and I realized that I was maybe had a chance. And it was at the fatal moment. I mean, it was, it was fatal. We came back from doing the event. We come back from doing a whole day's worth of activities on Food Network Star and we walk in 
and we get to our rooms that we're staying in, and they knock on the door about 10 minutes later, and they said, at midnight tonight, we need you to come down to the common room, and we need to talk to you. Everybody. So we come in there, and there's a note. This is midnight. We've been up all day. Everybody's stressed out. People tired, the whole thing. And it's a note, and it's all these boxes of baked goods, uh, cupcakes, and decorating shit for cupcakes. And they said, uh, read the note, and it says, you know, decorate these 12 cupcakes in the in your, what was called CPOV, culinary point of view. Homie never decorated nothing. <laughs> I've never decorated a cupcake. I've never made a cupcake. I don't even eat cupcakes. So I'm looking at this, and I'm like, well, I'm going home. Mm. I mean, this is real. This is what's going to take me out. It's a goddamn cupcake contest. I'm sitting there. It's about 1.30, and I'm watching everybody scramble, and they're decorating, and someone's making a cupcake about love, and someone's making you know, the seasons and all that stuff. And I look at this stuff, and I go, what's this, what's this, this sugary ball that you guys are rolling out and that you're putting over? And he said, oh, it's fondant. I said, what is it? I tasted it. I'm like, that's terrible. I mean, I like sweets, so... And I, they said, what are you doing? They said, well, you can put dye in it, and it can do things, and you can, you can it, you put it over K. You know? I said, okay. So I'm sitting over there by myself, again, completely going home. I mean, ready to call Lori. If it wasn't midnight, whatever, I would have called her and said, hey, by the way, I'll be home tomorrow. And uh, so I'm messing with it. And I look at, I'm looking at the cupcake, and I look at the top of the cupcake, and I'm like, man, that looks like a hamburger bun. That's so funny. So I take my knife and I cut the top off the cupcake. And I'm like, hey, look at the hamburger bun. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, you know, they're doing their stuff. Brace her. So I take another cupcake and I cut the hamburger bun off of that one. And I look at it and I go, huh. So I grab some fudge and I made it into a little patty. From going go, home to nailing it. Hamburger. <laughs> hamburger you got. And Everyone's putting everybody, sprinkles. Everybody's sprinkling <laughs> and, you know, piping. And So then I take some of the fondant and I roll it out and I make it green. Lettuce. It's lettuce on the fur. Burger, everybody, nobody's looking. Yeah. So I made it this big old cheeseburger. Lettuce the, and the cheese and the whole thing. And I'm sitting there messing with it, and uh, the producer walks in and goes, what are you doing? I go, nothing. I said, she goes, no, what is that? And I go, hey, I'm going to go home anyway, so I just, I'm just screwing off. Is that out of your cupcake? I said, yeah, but, you know, she goes, hang on a second. Next thing I know... Tired eye producers come like in pajamas and so forth, and they go, "What is this?" And I said, "It's a it's a hamburger." It's my culinary point of view. I'm trying to do some uh, cupcake. Oh my god! Get the camera. The, the cameras come in. Everybody's oh, you know, shooting the whole thing, and everybody else in the group's like, "Oh, that's oh. great!" <laughs> so I did the cupcake, and so at that moment, once I broke the complete all the rules, and then I went and did my demo with the cupcakes. And they, I got up there, and again, now it's another tough situation. And uh, I said, hey, you know, I, I don't do a lot of cupcakes, but if my, my, my son Hunter had a party uh, for his he'd like a cupcake if you did this. So I cut the top off the cupcake. This is at Sur La Tabla, and it's 7 in the morning, and there's all of these people. I said, so you cut the top off, and I dig out the center of it. I shove gummy worms and runts or whatever those candies are, and stick it in there, put some frosting, shove it back on top, and I go, that's the kind of cupcake my kid would like. Crowd went nuts, and that was when I got, that's when I walked, uh, I walked into the uh, you know, producer area, and, and everybody just looked at me, and that was the day it all changed. So what if you took a runner-up? Where do you think you'd be now? I don't, you know, I'd be doing what, I've been, what I'm doing. You know, maybe yeah. I wouldn't be doing it on as large of a platform, and I really attribute a tremendous amount of my success to the people that I surround myself with. I got a phenomenal wife and great parents and great kids and great buddies, uh, you know, and I, it's like the people that are running Knuckle Sandwich now. I, I look at all the 
you know, the, the, uh, the team that, that, that I built, I was on that road. I mean, I was going to continue. I had eight restaurants when I sold them in California. And so I was on that road already. Uh, the TV opportunity, of course, has been like going to the moon. Yeah, it was just, you know what? If you don't squeeze, I tell the folks that come on Guy's Grocery Games all the time, don't squeeze it too hard. Don't, don't choke this. Just ride it. Just have fun. And if you stay you and you stay focused and you play as good as you can, who knows what comes of it? And we've made superstars out of Triple D and Guy's Grocery Games. And, you know, and then you take great advice. I mean, it's like from my girl, Rachel Ray. One of the best pieces of advice she ever told me. She said, never burn tape. No dead air. That camera's in front of you, roll. Roll. And if you're willing to listen and pay attention and exercise the uh, habits that you're told, you can make good things happen. So a big part of this podcast, which is why it's called Beyond the Plate, is to touch upon the different ways that chefs, restaurateurs give back to their community. And everybody does it in their own way. And truth be told, that's why I started this, to get those stories out. People know you how they know you and from TV or your restaurants, but there's way more behind the food you serve and the story you tell when you're discovering places on TV and, and beyond that. I'm just going to give you the, the lob in the air because I want to hear about the philanthropic work you do. I know you do a ton of work through your foundation work. And I also want you to touch upon, I almost got teary-eyed walking past your booth last night and you had best buddies there. When you get the opportunity that I've been, that I've been given and you have so much energy that's going on, what better to do with it than to share it and use it to help others. I mean, it's so wasted if you don't. I mean, there's only so much great times. So here we are at the Burger Bash 2018. We're at one of the most phenomenal chef experiences that you'll find in the world. And I get to be the host of it, and I'm going to do a burger stand about it. And I'm like, why take all that and just have it on Guy? Let's do it on a charity and a, and a group and an organization that deserves far more attention than they're getting. And once everybody gets it and goes like, oh, wow, we should have been doing this before. We should, you know, and it's a program called Best Buddies, and it's working with intellectually disabled adults and kids. And growing up with a cousin with intellectual disabilities, Dougie, who I didn't see any difference. I mean, I didn't, just different people have different ways. And so it was a natural fit. And then, you know, to partner up with the Best Buddies team and Tom Brady and, and do our event every year in, uh, in Boston and the big bike ride down in, uh, down in the Cape is amazing. And what we do, and it's not just the money cap that we raise, it's the exposure and it's the awareness and it's the education. See, I think that's what the bigger ticket is, is that when we can educate folks about charities and we can educate folks about prejudice and we can, ex and we can start to shine a light on things, that's where we can really use our influence to, to help that. And uh, so anytime I can, I mean, I, I'm just so fortunate to be where I'm at and to have what I have. And, and I think that it's my responsibility. And so Best Buddies is one of my favorite programs. Cooking with kids, you know, it's another thing that I really try to uh, express to kids and mainly their parents and say, this is a life skill. You teach your kids how to read. You teach them how to use their computer. You teach them how to use their cell. Teach them how to cook. You may not even be that great of a cook yourself. Teach your family to cook. It's a life skill. And the reason, the more educated you are, the better decisions you'll make. That's the truth. So if you can make better education, if you can give kids better education about their eating habits, we have kids with childhood diabetes and obesity. That's not what kids are supposed to be worried about. 
Kids are supposed to be worried about how to get their ball over the fence, you know, and how to you know make it through math class. And I think that it's it's awareness and education. And so my my I someone asked me the other day. They said, "When you're done, when TV's done, and restaurants are running, and the team's got it, what are you gonna do?" I said, "I love share. I just built Cap. I tell you this. I just built a or I'm building currently a 48 foot culinary trailer that gets hauled." And it will be able to go anywhere in the United States. It's a full kitchen. Fryers, grills, smoker. We'll be able to feed, we'll be able to feed 5,000 plus a really? day out of this. We had a disaster in Northern California where I live with this horrible fire uh, last year. Cooking out there. Yeah. And so we went and my buddies and I, my friends, um, rallied up and built a mock kitchen give it what you call it, a mash unit and built it in the corner of the uh, vets building parking lot and started cooking uh, before any disaster services were available. You know, people were there, 6,500 homes are gone. People are totally displaced. Friends of mine, my insurance agent, the guy that insures all my stuff, his house burned to the ground. Not like burn, like get a few things out, like gone. And we started cooking for folks. And I said, you know what? This is needed everywhere and so we're building this trailer, and my goal is is to be able to take the trailer, have it driven to wherever our situation may be, and I've got chef friends all over the country, and just be able to call and say, hey, Richard, I know that this is going down. Are you okay? Great. Do me a favor. The trailer's coming. Find, you know, a 1,000 pounds of pork butt and find, you know, get whatever you can, get a crew together, start cooking. I'm flying in, or my crew, or, you know, Anthony Hoy Fong's going to fly. Someone's coming. And start to cook because we were making food for folks before they could get them food. Awesome work, man. It's incredible. Let's do a quick speed round, a few questions, and then close Juniper. it out. Why did you say that? I just, because that's what I was thinking. I did this with Josh Capon yesterday, and he did the same. He turns and he goes, lavender. And every question I ask him, he goes, lavender. Mogadishu. I'm like, <laughs> um, what did you have for breakfast this morning? The Terminator sandwich at uh, La Samoteria. Over across the street from the Deuce. Was that breakfast? Yeah. Breakfast was served at 1230. <laughs> I didn't know if it was like a four in the morning breakfast. I'm not a late night eater. Really? Not my game. Not my game. I'm Things not a, I learn about you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Name a smell in the kitchen you love. Mahogany. Black, Name a smell in the kitchen you uh, hate. Black, no, uh, my, my smell, my, fa- my favorite smell is black pepper. Fresh cracked black pepper makes me, I smell, I even just said fresh cracked black pepper and my mouth waters. <laughs> really? Oh, black pepper to me is fresh cracked. Yeah. My wife and I have, I bet you we have 15 pepper grinders in our house. We have a four foot pepper grinder. I, I feel like I've seen a picture yeah. or something. So I'm, I, but fresh cracked black pepper is, is the key. The smell I hate? Yes. Can't even be around it. Mm. Gaggy. Uh, beef liver. Oof. Beef liver cooking. I was at, when we first shot Triple D, one of the first places we went, and they said, hey, this place is known for its liver and onions. I said, I, I can't try it. They said, no, you come on, you're a chef. You got to try it. I said, I can't try it. They said, okay, well, you can try it. I said, I can't try it. They thought they were funny. They had them cooking liver and onions, and it was under a dome. And there was cook, and they pulled the dome off, and the waft of the stank. Oh. What did you do? Ran. I went out the door. The whole video, the show goes like this, and I'm out the door. It was horrible. Oh. What pisses you off in the kitchen? People that scrape their f- knives across the board mm. on their blade. 
They chop something and, and then they drag the their knife across the board. Flip the knife over, use the back of the knife and pull it across and dull my knives. Got it. That's Or using the knife inappropriately, not saying behind you, not saying hot, leaving a hot pan, pulling a pan out of the oven, leaving it on the stove. So would you like to go on? Yeah. I, these, I can go on Keep with these. Going, for, man. I can go on these for days. Ten things that piss you off in the kitchen. <laughs> oh, you want to you hold it at ten? <laughs> People that don't put mats under their boards, under the cutting boards, putting a knife in the sink. Putting a knife in the sink. That's wrong. Get out. Yeah. Just yeah. out. Not salting your water. Frivolous garnish pisses me off. Like unnecessary garnish? Put a twig or something on something. Right. Like, what am I supposed to do with hey, this? Hey, I'm take this rosemary. Now, did I make that guilty move in the 80s? Uh-huh. What makes you happy in the kitchen? Smiles. People trying food that they never tried before. Having somebody eat bone marrow and not understanding what they're eating and then go, oh, but that's awesome. Have you ever slept in your sunglasses? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> It's it's called day drinking. <laughs> All right, close it out. Um, just hit the half century mark. I don't know what that means. What's in store for the next half century? The 3.0 version of the first century. Which is? Just more great things. I'm watching my, uh, <laughs> watch my kids grow up. Mm-hmm. Getting a chance to make an impact, a bigger impact with more tools and more and more talent. Having, you know, watching the opportunities happen for my team inside a knuckle sandwich. Trying to stay, you know, fit and focused. Trying to face a lot of uh, the growth. You know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of growth that happens in this next 50. But being the, 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 the key term that I say to myself all the time is just being present. Being as present as possible. You know, it's not a, there's no, this is one run. This is no dress rehearsal. You get this chance. And so having the opportunity to do what I'm doing and the way I'm doing it and who I'm doing it with and, and where it's going, um, it's, it got, I got a lot of education in the first 50, and I'm trying to put it all to use and all into the application for the second 50. Thanks, man. Awesome to have. Hey, listen, let me tell you this. I've known you a long time, and you are an amazing support to a lot of people that I know. And to see that you're now taking this role and taking this, I, I knew about it back in the day with you and your awareness of the, every goddamn restaurant in the country. But doing this and giving this insight and this awareness and this 360 for folks, especially chefs, and to the community uh, is, is fantastic. And uh, you do it in a really insightful, meaningful, in-depth way. And uh, I, I, that to me is awesome. I, this, I didn't it. know what we were getting, but this is exa- this is this is the three Thanks, dude. On cap. I appreciate that. You're great, buddy. Cheers, man. Cheers. Quote: When we can educate folks about charities, when we can educate folks about prejudice, when we can start to shine a light on things, that's where we can really use our influence to help. Thanks again to Guy Fieri. Find more on him at guyfieri.com. Join us next week when Beyond the Plate presents Just the Plate, a short segment where chefs describe a dish or a recipe that is meaningful to them. Find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at OnCappy's Plate or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. Beyond the Plate is on Twitter at BT Plate Podcast and Facebook. Thank you to our partners at IL8 by Flavor Gallery, who supplied all of our signature hats and T-shirts to our Beyond the Plate guests. These will be coming to the IL8 by Flavor Gallery website soon. 
This episode was produced by me, along with Ian Cohen, Joel Yeaton, and Sean Petrosian. Our music has been composed by Goldford. As always, a special shout out to my wife, Katie. Please rate, review, and or subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Plate. I'm Cappy, and remember, there are never too many cooks in the kitchen.